Walsh has got it, twigging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Collingwood win by four. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Gulhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamari. Glory. It's coming back. Hey guys and welcome to the 24th edition of the In The Sand Show. Today we're going to be looking at my AFL Round 12 reviews and have a look at the latest debacle in the AFL world, the Jordan Dugowie hit on Elijah Hewitt. The first game of Round 12 was Melbourne and Melbourne came up against Carlton in the first game of Round 12 at the MCG on Friday night. My tip for this game was Melbourne by 25 points and still without Clayton Oliver, the Ds are just such a smart team. The way they play, especially against a side like Carlton and the form that they have, I think the Ds were just going to run away with it. The first quarter ended 21 Melbourne to 8 Carlton. This quarter was all Melbourne, but one takeaway from the Blues is that Harry Mackay slotted away a snap and this goal gained, gained him a lot of confidence and Goal kicking's really been affecting him this past few weeks and it's affecting the club as well. The Blues boys really got up from that and uh, continued playing just on not on the on the front foot uh, that Melbourne were on. But Melbourne's ball movement, how they got the ball from one side to the other in seconds was just incredible. The Ds are playing one or two plays behind the last Carlton forward to mop up any ball over the top. And it was just working great. Then the way they were hitting targets was just out of a video game and overall pretty dominant quarter from the Ds. Heading to halftime, the score was Melbourne 36 to Carlton 17. Again, another quarter where the Demons just got the upper hand. And this was a quarter where Melbourne scooped down to the scrappy footy that Carlton played. If it started in the second quarter, the intensity of the game was just going to be livid the whole game. And only a seven-goal half from both sides and and it saw Harry Mackay pick up both of Carlton's goals and they needed the win if they wanted to stand any chance of playing finals this year and especially at the MCG it's a ground where you can score a lot of goals and especially a seven goal quarter it's just really low it just showed the game's intensity and the players both sides got around the ball uh was was um was really good and Carlton always try and find and get players around the ball because I think it's one of their strong parts in their game anywhere else. It's just their ball movements. It's not good. And uh, that's the only way they can try and stay in games. And at the moment, the Carlton level of footy, it's just not there. And especially against Melbourne, their stand is just nowhere, nowhere near close. And um, we've seen Pitten and out. Gordon Grundy dominated the ruck with contests with nine more clearances due to this. And with Silvani going down to the rooms, it left all the pressure on young Tom De Koning for the big contest. Again, another Melbourne-sided quarter. The third quarter ended with Melbourne leading 53 to Carlton's 36. This is an up-and-down quarter for both sides. They started off brilliant with 
great ball movement, which kicked it off with elite efficiency handballing, creating a variety of opportunities. Melbourne's quick transitions into the forward line proved pivotal when locking it into the forward line with Carlton having to work really hard for it to get out. Jake Bowie was having a great game, cocked a big hit. Seeing him get knocked out with the Ds having to activate their sub of James Harms. But Carlton struck back, kicking their first consecutive goals of the game. But Fritch got one back to give the Ds a 17-point lead heading into the last. The final siren sounded and Melbourne ended up victors 61-44. Both sides unable to capitalise on opportunities late. And especially for Carlton, any of the goals that they would have brought them back into the game didn't as their goal kicking was a big issue. And they just needed one goal to really put the pressure on Melbourne and they couldn't do that. Like 61 to 44, it's it's a three-goal game pretty much. And with a momentum streak towards the end of the game, it's going to leave so much pressure on Melbourne. One goal and and then they're pretty much uh, secure for the momentum streak and Melbourne pretty much just have to defend. Now Carlton still haven't won a game since the West Coast game. Real issues going on at the Blues and I'm not sure if a new coach may change the approach at the club I think, I think it's needed, though. Uh, the Voss game plan's clearly not working for Carlton, and they're struggling a lot. Uh, big teams, big rivalry games. You see their fans not backing them in at all, and a lot of the fans bring it down to the passion within the side, and it's it's nowhere near how Carlton were supposed to play this year. They're supposed to be a top-four side and be premiership contenders, but they're nowhere, nowhere near this. They've got a team, a great list, and a team that's won Coleman medalists, Brownlow medalists, and really, really strong players that uh, could really rack up a dominant team and a team worthy of winning a grand final. But obviously, they haven't been doing that, and something really needs to change. And they've got Essendon this week, and I think they can put the pressure on the Dons, but it's going to be really tough. But Melbourne, they look top-notch. Without Clayton Oliver, they were... They weren't the cleanest, but next week's King's birthday, and that's going to look to be one of the games of the year's special occasion and a really special game for the Ds, but they weren't able to put a big margin to Carlton, which the Pies did, and next week, it's a game that could go both ways, and seeing the way Melbourne played against um, Carlton, they scooped down to their level for pretty much two quarters. Uh, Probably not the footy they wanted to play, but Collingwood, they really, really made Carlton run and uh, play their game, not nowhere near the um, nowhere near the Carlton game. And we maybe did scoop down to their level for a quarter and a bit and uh, got got dirty with them. But um, in the end, we got the much bigger win than um, Melbourne did. Carlton had some real issues uh, on the scoreboard with only 44 points, which is the lowest on Michael Voss's um, term as a coach. Melbourne ended up winners by 17 points, and that was the first game of round 12. Bit of a review there. Next game was Port Adelaide taking on Hawthorne. This was on Saturday, 1.45, and it was at Adelaide Oval, and it was an utterly dominant first half, which set Port Adelaide for a 55-point belting of Hawthorne, but the margin could have been greater if not for the second-half fight back from the Hawks. The second place powers 23-13-151 to 14-12-96 route at Adelaide Oval on Saturdays, their ninth consecutive victory, bettering their eighth straight wins in seasons of 2012, uh, sorry, 2002, 2003 and 2014. 
the Power romped to a nine-goal three-quarter uh, time score, which was their biggest score in an opening term at Adelaide Oval and their highest in any game since 2009. Port booted another seven goals in the second quarter and it's t- and uh, got up to their total halftime score, the biggest halftime score they've ever had, surpassing their pre- previous 95 score against Richmond in 2002. Another dominant performance from Power and looking to secure their top four position on the ladder. Their first half was just next level, but the Hawks Hawks let let them the outscore in the second half. And Hawks' young side will definitely learn from this. Against a great side like Power and a lackluster first half, they needed to win the second half just to just to show the league who they are. And I think Sam Mitchell sent out the right message to them because they're playing playing some more right footy and against some really big sides. Uh, winning winning second halves is uh, really pivotal, and I think it was like a ninety point margin at half time, and uh, the Hawks didn't look anywhere near, and it looked like it was going to be a proper belting. But Hawks uh, bring it uh, right to the power, and um, really really showed them their class in the second half, and it was it was much needed. And I think next week uh, they're going to have to go on to show the Lions what they're made of at the G, and that's going to be an interesting game as well. The next game was Collingwood taking on West Coast Eagles. This was up in Perth at Optus Stadium. The Collingwood survived the best football West Coast has played this season and counted to, to bank an impressive 63-point win at Optus Stadium. But the latter leaders will head home with injuries and a looming suspension to ponder. After their lead was cut to just 14 points late in the third quarter, the Magpies rattled home with nine of their last 10 goals to win 18-12-120 to 8-9-57 and extend their winning run to eight games. And this win for Collingwood was uh, really, really big. Uh, the first quarter, we kept them goalless and just kept on scoring goals after goals. And uh, we didn't give them an inch of anything. And Optus Stadium's a hard ga- uh, hard um, ground to play on. The bounces are a lot heavier than the MCG. We saw a couple goals that bounced over the uh, full forward's head, uh, Mychek's head, and Bobby Hill did that. I think Nick Dacos did that as well. Uh, Collingwood, Collingwood's ball movement, it, it was just next level. And uh, the way we're able to move teams, no matter where, no matter how, no matter what injuries we have, it, it's just great. And we're definitely premiership contenders. And as a Collingwood fan, got some got some concerns from this game. We had four injuries. We saw Bo McCurry go down first. We think that's an ankle injury. I don't think he's going to be perfect for the King's birthday matchup against Melbourne. And then Hoskin Alia went down. Then Ash Johnson went down with a corky. Then Bobby Hill went down. So a lot of injuries going around for Collingwood. I think uh, Bobby Hill and Ash Johnson are a lock for next week. They should be fine. It's just the concerns on Will Hoskin Elliott and Bo McCreary. It was just a bit of a curse on uh, Optus Oval, uh, Optus Stadium and um, the injuries are not needed for Collingwood. We keep this side in for the rest of the year. Teams won't have an, a chance at all to to play against us, to beat us, and no matter where it is, no matter what setbacks we have, I think we're a side that can uh, uh, overcome diversity against anyone uh, in the league. And got a bit of concern from Jordan that Goey's hit on Elijah Hewitt, probably not needed for the side, and Jordan Dugowie's got that role in the team as a midfielder that can just score goals, defend, run with the footy, create opportunities. He can move the ball up and down, find players. He can do whatever he likes pretty much. And 
uh, he's been doing that for majority of the season and and a hit on the large Hewitt where we'll touch on after the break. Uh, it, it's just not needed for the boys and going into the King's birthday matchup, uh, we're going to have a couple couple outs and a couple ins and we're not sure how that will go. But back to the game, we saw Harvey Harrison get his debut, kicked a goal in his debut. The boys got around him and that was really good from the Pies. And then we had to overcome a bit of West Coast diversity. They came back into it in the third quarter, bringing the margin just down to 14 points. And as a Collingwood fan, really, really concerning from um, from us. We gave him that inch of space that we really didn't need to give him. The momentum streak really got got a hold of us. And uh, they, they got the margin down. They were just three kicks away from uh, being ahead in the game. And especially for a team like West Coast, they were really – um, love that they got so close to the pies and were only a couple kicks away from uh, from getting the lead and especially at uh, Optus, they know that ground pretty well and um, they're looking for a, another win and they've only got the one win. Um, but they definitely had their best performance of the year and against a team like Collingwood, that's, it's just really pivotal for them and just to build on their ball movement, build on trying to score against bigger teams and teams that look like they'll be playing in the grand final. But overall, a great game from Collingwood. They ended up with the victors and we saw Nick Dacos get 30 touches and three goals and we saw players um, just just show off pretty much against the young West Coast side. But on to next week for the Pies and that's going to be, I think, game of the year, Collingwood against Melbourne. It's going to go, could go two ways, uh, could be a belting, could be, a really tight game. I think it's going to be super tight. And uh, the way Collingwood played the MCG, I think uh, we could definitely end up victors in that game. The next game was the Western Bulldogs taking on Geelong at Marvel Stadium on Saturday night. It's a brilliant game that ultimately was ultimately separated by one simple factor that Geelong could kick goals that mattered and the Western Bulldogs didn't. The Bulldogs failed to capitalise on their advantage over a depleted Geelong midfield, succumbing to a 23-point defeat in the fast-paced clash at Marvel Stadium. While Tim English and Tom Libertore were relentless at stoppages for the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs could not make the most of their opportunities in the second half and were left to rue straightforward missed shots. The Bulldogs had three more scoring shots and three more inside 50s, while they also won the contested possession count by 19. They tailed 10-15 compared to Geelong's 15-7. The Western Bulldogs know Marvel really well. They play some of their best footy there and um, they're on a three-game losing streak now. and Not not looking the greatest for the Doggies, um, especially in front of goal. If you want to play um, great footy and be a side that plays in the top eight and in October and September finals, you need to be clinical in front of goals. And I see that with Collingwood a lot. We used to be terrible in front of goals. A lot of, lot of times we've been outscored in points than goals. And Geelong had the less scoring opportunities, but they capitalised. And that's what matters. Goals that matter, points don't. And um, for sides, they they need a they need a kick. And especially the doggies, they've got some really big forwards in there. Rory Lobb, you've got Aaron Norton, Cody Waitman. They've got a pretty stacked forward line. They need to be clinical if they want to be a top eight side as well. The Gold Coast Suns have done the Darwin double in 2023 and extending their winning record at home, away from home with a stunning 25-point win over the Adelaide Crows. The Suns extended their record to 4-2 four, four to at TIO Stadium, winning out 16-16, 112-112. to 
to 13.987 and are knocking on the door of the top eight, heading to the mid-season bye with a 6-6 record. Jack Lacocious backed up his five-goal performance last week with another five goals, while Matty Rao and Noah Anderson were the main drivers in the midfield and the Suns kicked nine consecutive goals in a blitz on both half, both sides at the halftime to overrun the Crows. The Crows hit back in front momentarily in the final quarter, but the Suns were able to get the momentum back and kick clear. And uh, The Suns, I think, if they played the way they're playing up in Darwin, the way they played at the start of the season, they could definitely be in, uh, a good and strong top eight side, the side where teams worry to play. But uh, a couple big wins against top eight sides and top eight worthy sides uh, in Adelaide and the Doggies, uh, it shows uh, some real good signs for Stewie Jew's boys. And um, they can definitely be in contention for the top eight. Just a couple more wins, a couple more wins against big sides can definitely get them over the line and get them play finals footy. On Sunday, the Tigers taking on the GWS. This is up in Sydney and the Tigers on Sunday held off a fast-finishing Giants outfit with the Marlon Pig kicking the match-winning goal to hand the interim coach Andrew McCoulter his first win in breathtaking shootout. After a stunning Tigers blitz to start the game, the Giants worked their way back into the game over the next three quarters and even took a six-point lead when Ruck Kieran Briggs kicked an excellent forward 50 goal I tip Tigers for this game. I couldn't see them losing another game with a new coach. The ball movement, the way they're playing attacking footy, it's just next level. And the boys really needed that win. And see players like Dustin Martin really getting up, doing whatever he has to do to get them the win was just just great. And something that I think the Tigers need, um, a rocky start to the season and trying to work their way back into the top eight is going to be tough. So winning games, uh, especially against the Giants and teams that are – Low on the ladder going to be crucial. Um, and I think letting the Giants back into the game was pretty poor from from Richmond, but they brought it back in and uh, kicked a couple in a row and uh, Marlon Pickett finished it off. The last game of round 12 was the Bombers and against North and the Bombers are in the eight, looking to consolidate their position as they head to Marvel on Sunday afternoon. The Ruse navigating life under Brett Radner, looking to continue their development. I think North played a really good game. They were just super unlucky towards the end. Um, Essendon kicked the last goal. And Jaden Stevenson and the North boys, they really tried to do everything they could to get the goal. Steve had kicked the cracker to even up the scores. And it was just back and forward. And, was, and whoever kicked the point, I thought was going to win the game. Uh, North, I think, probably deserved the win. Essendon scooped down to their level and um, especially at Marvel Stadium, Essendon know really well and North know really well. You'd think Essendon with a better side and a more experienced side uh, would get the job done, but uh, unfortunately they had to do it the hard way, um, only getting the six-point win and uh, they're, they're um, settling well in the top eight, Essendon, and um, I think a couple more wins under their belt, belt can get the young side up and about. But that wraps up my round 12 AFL review. So thank you for listening to the In The Sand Show. I'll catch you after the break. Call TAD to remodel my place. 
said I wanted it to be that kind of place. Knee deep in the reno, sinking in our fights. Other shonky builders waking me up at night. And Adam plays the boss man. He listens to the customer. Don't you remember? He built this kitchen. He built this kitchen with TAD. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with TAD. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with TAD. Atticus Health will make you feel alright Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache Or you don't feel right Or if you have a nasty rash Keeping you up at night don't worry, Don't worry about, about a thing. Don't worry. Because <laughs> Atticus help will make you feel all right. If you feel the caramel way, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lace, just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Real estate. Oh, yeah, little real estate. We want more. Josie from Space Folk, and when I want to stay groovy, I listen to Radio Caram. Oi, 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 IGA, it's shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA, for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Welcome back to the In The Sand Show, and now we're going to have a look at the latest AFL debacle, and it's John Zagoe's hit on Elijah Hewitt last Saturday. The Pies played the Eagles, and if you don't already know, in the first quarter, John Zagoe bumped Elijah Hewitt leaving him concussed, and a big media speculation has not only revved this issue up, but caused uh, some issues among the footy world. Jordan Degoe will front the AFL Tribunal tonight 
with one of Collingwood's most important players likely to miss some crucial encounters for the club. The goalie was charged with rough contact for the incident with West Coast Eagles youngster Elijah Hewitt with a high bump from the pie star leaving Hewitt concussed and it was graded as careless contact with severe impact and high contact, resulting in recommended sanction for three-match ban and direct referral to the tribunal. There's no shortage on how long Dugowie should or shouldn't miss for his actions with Nathan Buckley and Kane Corns disagreeing about this issue. And uh, on radio this morning, we we heard uh, a lot of uh, speculation about how Jordan Dugowie should conduct um, his actions on the ground. And he always finds himself in a little bit of trouble. Um, but such in the interest, it showed that Westcote itself pointed to to Gully's pending tribunal case and then had to later apologise via its social media channels. Going back further, this precedent for a premiership contender having one of its stars sent directly to the tribunal and almost a year ago saw the same issue happen with uh, Geelong defender Tom Stewart front of the AFL tribunal with careless contact, severe impact and high contact on Richmond's Dion Prestia for a brutal bump left uh, Prestia concussed. And this is pretty much the same issue but uh, this is getting a lot more speculation. We saw West Coast star Dom Sheed had to apologise to John Goey for comments he made for the length of his ban. And he said that the ban should be a good month or two. And I think that's just a bit ridiculous. And and a lot of comments have been condemned. And especially from Sheed, uh, a lot of AFL greats like Jimmy Bartel, Jared Whiteley have said the comments are just creating this to be a bit of a mess. My thoughts on this is, I think it, I think the media is just going a bit over the top on this issue. If it was any other player, maybe at a smaller club like North Melbourne or GWS or uh, the Gold Coast Suns, the issue would not be as big as they're making this out to be. And for clubs and players to come into this issue and uh, to say the ban should be for a long amount of time and amount of time that Andrew Gaff uh, missed on the punch on. Andy Brayshaw, he he got an eight-week ban. And for Dom Sheed to say that uh, Juan Dugowie, uh should have the exact same punishment, it's just a bit ridiculous. And I think the bump was intentional, but it wasn't intentional to be a high contact. It was probably careless conduct. And um, Juan Dugowie didn't probably see him coming that fast and whacked him probably a bit too hard. And I think it will be a three-week ban. I don't see how it could be four, five, or six. I think that's just too far. And uh, Jordan Dugowie always finds himself in a bit of a speculation in the media or um, in the footy world or off the pitch. Uh, so I think just just keeping Jordan Dugowie under a bit of control for this is just what Collingwood need. need. And it's a, they've got the biggest game of the year, uh, the year this, this week and against Melbourne. And we can't take away the fact that it's the big freeze game and Jordan Dugowie is just one player and, and that issue will be settled and we don't need to this to become the overarching issue uh, of the week. I think it's going to be three weeks, maybe four. Some people are saying four plus weeks. Um, I think it's going to be careless conduct. It'll be high conduct, c- conduct and a severe impact on the player as well. So if Tom Stewart got three weeks for that, I think Jordan Dugowie will get three weeks for his bump as well but that wraps up the in the stand show for this week so thank you for listening to the in the stand show i'll catch you next week 
Walsh has got it, twigging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Collingwood win by four. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Ugalhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamari. Glory. Just coming back. 